You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Thank you for tuning into the Sports Ethos Nets podcast. As always, I am your host, Cody Mallory. I am joined by my two normal co-hosts. How's it going, Joe? Going pretty good. Can't complain, as always. Nice. And Anthony, how's it going? It's going good, but I'm missing my uh, Brooklyn Nets. It's going to yeah, be a man, long little break. <laughs> Literally, we recorded Saturday morning at, what time, 9.30? We were done by 10.30. And then everything in the world changed. But we'll get into that. Before we go any further, I'm excited to bring our third guest on the show. It is Nets Daily reporter, Chris Milholman. Did I say that right? You said it's close enough, brother. It's close enough. I've uh, had, yeah, you're, it's close enough. You're good. How do you say it? I got to know before we it's, go forward. Uh, Milholland. Milholland. All right. That was close. Yeah, it's, like, it's like the O's the edge. I've had way worse. You got nothing right. to worry about. All right. How's it going, Chris? We're very excited to have you on here. Pick your brain. Talk some hoops. Try to give our fans something to hold them over until we see some Nets play basketball again. Yeah, we got a little bit of long. We got a little longer of a wait, obviously, with two games postponed. But overall, been good, and I uh, can't wait to talk to you guys and chop up some Nets. Nice, nice. Um, so before we get too far in, lunch, just tell us and our listeners a little bit about yourself. Okay. Uh, well, how did like? What do you like? Any literally anything? Like, anything you want to say. We're all anything used. you want to say. Okay. Well, uh, well, I'm Chris Mullen. I'm a writer and reporter for SB Nation's Nets Daily. I also do social media work for the Naismith Trophy, so that's college basketball-oriented. And, um, yeah, just uh, grew up a big Hoops fan. Obviously, I always knew I wanted to 
kind of crack into the industry, whether it was on the business side or kind of on the journalism side, which obviously I do now. So growing up, obviously, like you guys, uh, you have fans. And then like I've always been a guy that uh, always was interested in the behind the scenes, the business aspect of sports, kind of the communication aspect as well. So I wasn't I've always paid a, a close attention to kind of the, the minor details and stuff that people maybe not notice during games and stuff, obviously outside of the highlight plays and player concentrate uh, con- player concentrations and stuff. So, uh, yeah, no, I, when, when I was in college, obviously we spoke a little bit off air about college and stuff. But um, in college, I started off um, as a, um, a sports business major, actually sports marketing. And then uh, my sophomore year, I was just like, honestly, like, I can't really see myself sitting behind a desk, like, you know, all day and all, all that. So, like, at that point, obviously, you guys, obviously, the ones that are listening and even you guys going up in college, you know, when you have that point, you're like, you know what, I actually figured out maybe I have an idea of at least how I figured out what kind of avenue I wanted to pursue. And that was, that was a communication. So uh, I, I've loved it so far. I've done this uh, for even even when I was in high school, I even started kind of uh, writing up about sports and everything. So I've been doing it, I guess you could say six years total, obviously stops in between different places, but loved it since. Nice, man. Um, quick question. What's your college hoops team? College hoops team. I've always been a Syracuse guy. I've always oh, been a Syracuse guy. Oh, God. Fan. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, you're a UConn guy. So. UConn. Oh, yeah, so you have, I don't I've, know. I've been a Syracuse fan for a while. The, the CJ Faradays, Trevor Cooney. Um, who else was on? Obviously, Michael Carter-Williams, Tyler Ennis. Um, yeah. There's been a lot of guys. So I've, 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 I've always had a little attraction to Syracuse when I was growing up and watching college hoops, and that's kind of the team I ride with. But more, more, more than anything, especially even professional, like people always ask me, like, "Hey, do I root for any teams now?" Whatever the case is, I don't really like at that. At some points, obviously, college is a little different. But even NBA wise, like, I don't, I don't really root for any in- team individually. I kind of root for stories. So obviously, like when you cross paths with certain players and certain teams and everything like that, you always want like good success stories from them. So that's kind of who I root for to give you an idea. Nice. Yeah, that uh, Big East rivalry. UConn Syracuse. Yeah, yeah, I know. We can look past it. We can look yeah. past it. <laughs> oh yeah, you guys, you guys, like, UConn's had some brighter memories of recent dates. So you know, I, you you got a little uh, a little uh, leverage on me, I guess you could say, in that rivalry. Um, so before we go further, I always ask every person that comes on the podcast: mm-hmm. Is there a specific player that comes to your mind when you're asked which player made you fall in love with the game of basketball? Yeah, um, it's interesting, right? Because like, um, like my grandmother actually introduced me to the game at first, that before even watching the NBA or anything like that. So obviously, like, I guess you could say in a bigger perspective, it's her because she introduced me to the game. But NBA wise, it was always Kevin Garnett, and actually Andre Iguodala is a very high one too, which I can guarantee you a lot of people won't really say because um, obviously you guys, I know two of you are from Jersey, so. When obviously back in the days when they're at the IZOD Center, you know, you'd see the five dollar tickets and you'd go to the games. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> yeah, everyone, you mostly all New Jersey guys know, like, you know, it was very inexpensive tickets. And for me, it was a, just a short cruise down Route 17. So, um, like, I remember the first game I went to was Sixers and Nets. And that was, I forget what year that actually was. But uh, but even before that, just watching the game on the TV, I've always had like a little um, attraction, like Andre Iguodala, how he played the game, the highlight dunks, especially in his Sixers days. 
like that's when I really started to get into basketball. Then obviously Kevin Garnett, because you know you guys too, especially the guys that played basketball growing up in the middle schools and even entering high schools, you always tried to emulate a certain player in the driveway and you did all those type of things. So Kevin Garnett was that guy, you know, like he's he was a big man, but at the same time he had a shooting touch, his mid-range game and the toughness to him as well. It was kind of just that complete package and a big man that kind of uh, really kind of worked in all boundaries and kind of all levels of basketball, really, when you're growing up. And, you know, aside from being like, obviously me, for example, I've always been the tallest in my grade in my class and stuff like that. So I'd be put at the five no matter what. So like, you know, you show off the shooting touch, all that type of stuff. So it would be KG and I and uh, Iguodala for sure. Yeah, I had a KG T Wolves jersey when I was uh, young and myself. So, oh, okay, okay, yeah, no, that, that those were some fun days as well. I didn't actually, yeah, I watched a season maybe. It was before, yeah, it was definitely because I started watching the game in 06, 07. Yeah, so he was definitely before that. That was when he was in Timberwolves, and then got traded to Boston with the big into the big three for him. So yeah, no, I've seen the highlights and everything as well. So very educated on some KG. Yeah, mine was uh, Jay Kidd. Anthony, you said Vince Carter, right? Yeah, that's correct. I went to one of the games at the Izod Center, and he was he just went crazy against the Warriors. And ever since then, I was just like, I want a Vince Carter jersey. And I still have it. To <laughs> oh, yeah, those are, those are my cousins, too, as well, because me and him are the same age, so we went to get a lot of games growing up. So, yeah, the, you could definitely relate to those two as well. I wasn't old enough for, like, the Jay Kidd um, Jefferson Finals teams because, like, obviously we're, I was, like, 497. So, mm-hmm. like – I was a little young to follow basketball then. So like I kind of caught the tail ends of like the glory days until then it got into the really dark days. And then you caught the 12 and 70 nets too. Yeah. Yeah, I was <laughs> there 19 and they I think it was 019 when they beat the Bobcats. I think they broke it against the Bobcats, if I remember correctly. I believe you're right. Yeah, I believe you're right. Yeah, I remember that game. I was hyped. <laughs> yeah, so Chris, I'm very interested in kind of your journey to Nets Daily. Obviously. We spoke about how your college days, but kind of your professional career and your career working up to joining Nets Daily. Yeah. So uh, like a little, I guess it's a little similar to what you guys are doing at Netscast or even the Netscast folks I see on Twitter. So like in the beginning, right. And obviously for a lot of people listening, I always tell like whenever someone DMs me or whatever the case is saying like, Hey, how'd you crack it? And like, kind of like uh, develop a brand and stuff like that. The biggest thing is you just got to experiment and you got to really see what you want to do. Right. So like, and like I mentioned before, in my senior year of high school, what I was doing was um, just uploading. I would just watch Nets, Knicks games, or really any type of games that were televised in the New Jersey, New York area. And I would just honestly just pencil together. Like, first, I would pencil together a couple takeaways, just bullet points, post them on Twitter, on Microsoft Word docs. And then after some time, I, I, I started writing my own game recaps and everything. And then at that time, that was my, uh, then I was going to my freshman year of college. I reached out to a, well, a company called Elite Sports New York reached out to me about joining their team to kind of just cover really anything, really, you know, because when you're at that age and you kind of get your first break, you could say, um, you always open for the opportunity. You always say, hey, I can cover whatever, whenever, and really just kind of just go with it. So when I was at Elite Sports, I did the news desk, so a lot of breaking news reports, so kind of just write up woes, shams, Schefter's reports, all those type of things, and then um, – after a while uh, at there, I started uh, getting more nets concentrated. So writing up a little features from other quotes. So like say, so say uh, they got quotes from a player at that time. I would quote, quote, uh, quote them in the article, say where I got the quotes from and everything kind of write a recap, uh, a feature story on that. And then after a while in April of 20, 
2018, I believe. Uh, I think no, it was April 2018 or, or March of 2018. I hopped fan side. It's nothing but nets. Uh, rode up there for a little bit, and then um, did kind of more uh, nets concentrate. So kind of same thing. Could just watch on TV. Obviously, I didn't have credentials that time. At that time, so watch on TV, write up game recaps, feature stories. And at that point, I was just uh, I, I was uh, really, really just motivated because I was like, I really like what I'm doing. Uh, obviously, like I'm seeing my works getting a lot more noticed by a bigger population. So I would, I would really just crank out. I think it was an article a day for seven, six and a half months straight, at least one article a day. So I'd crank them out. I always wake up every morning and do what I do now. But obviously, at that point, you're uh, obviously I was just hungry. I was like, hey, I need to I need to work here. I need to at least get two articles done today. What could I get done? And then um, in August or July, one of the two of 2018, uh, I got invited uh, to uh, my first uh, main event, and that was uh, D'Angelo Russell's Path to the Cap. So they highlighted his draft night experience, and that's where I met Anthony Puccio, who obviously you guys all know. And I met a lot of other reporters, obviously Michael Scotto, a couple other guys. And then a month later after that, I got invited to the NBA 2K19 event. And when I went there, that was kind of my, um, I guess you could say that was my first really good test at interviewing a professional athlete at that point. So before they send you out, obviously a presser, Hey, these are the guys that are available for interviews. Let me know who you want to interview, whatever the case is. And obviously D'Angelo Russell was number one guy. Cause he was, that's obviously the Nets point guard time correlates with content fits, fits all the categories. So interviewed him. I still have that interview recorded on my phone. I always kind of, uh, even listen to it back on to it maybe like every two, three months or so, just being like, Hey, like this is kind of uh celebrate the small wins. I guess you could say, Hey, this is where it started. And that now you're kind of growing from there and there. Um, and everyone usually asks, I th- you know, think you guys were even thinking about asking like, Hey, what's your greatest interview moment or favorite moment? Any, any journalist, I think would honestly tell you a good majority of them would tell you their first interview, you know, like that's always, um, their, um, their main, their main pick. Cause at that point it's kind of, even with me at that time, um, I prepared for, and obviously at that time, you can imagine you don't do any, you haven't done any of them before. Obviously you're a little nervous. You're, you're in front of them, whatever the case is. And I went very well with me. And then that kind of sparked, uh, Nets daily reaching out after I did that. Cause at that time too, I knew, Hey, it's such a big opportunity. Let me look at the other news sources and around the news and see what, was written out, uh, up about D'Angelo and what wasn't. So at that time, if my time, if I'm thinking correctly here, he was coming back from, an, I think it was the knee surgery. I can't, don't quote me on that. I forget. There was some form of injury. I think it was the arthroscopic knee surgery. So I asked about the recover, uh, his recovery and whether the, whether they're thinking about getting into like a playoff appearance and stuff like that, wrote that up. And then um, at that point, that's when the Nets daily team, uh, we kind of mutually uh, reached out to each other and then uh, been, been there ever since September, 2018. So um, great. Uh, always, always grateful to be where I am today. That's awesome. So, so do you, it's your first Sorry to make that a little long, but yeah. No, you're good. It's, yeah. It's, it's a lot. It's definitely quite the journey and it's very interesting. So no, no need to mm-hmm. uh, say mm-hmm. sorry for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was going to be my next question. It's kind of your favorite interview press conference moment, but I'm going to switch a little bit. So you answer Okay. That. Yeah. Um, who is your, on the current Nets, who is your favorite player to interview? Um, favorite guy um someone that's like always funny or gives great answers because i mean we see him on tv we read him on twitter 
But oh, I got I get from a from a humorous standpoint, it's got to be Patty Mills for a lot of people. You know, like I feel like, I feel like Patty Mills is a huge fan favorite. Obviously, Claxton's a big fan favorite as well. Uh, I've always enjoyed my conversation with Joe Harris. I've always, I've obviously uh, interviewed him several times, um, whether it's just kind of press conference stuff or at events and stuff. So he's always up there as well. But um, I guess just favorite guy, you know, I don't, I don't really have a, like a favorite guy that I really like just like uh, ask questions to, you know, cause like over time and stuff, like, you know, you kind of get your opportunity to ask questions and stuff like that. But, like, you know, it's just I can't really think of a name. I think it's a little too early right now, I guess okay. you would say. But, like, you know, just overall, like, if, if I had to choose a guy, it's always been Joe Harris. He's very polite, true professional, understands kind of um, just both sides of the spectrum. He's very he's very knowledgeable as well, and he's very down-to-earth guy. And that, that's that's what I like the most about, like, athletes, too, is when – they're down the earth and, and um, very just respectful in general and stuff like that, especially if it's a one-on-one interaction. So, you know, Joe, Joe has always been great when, at least to me, he's always been great. And uh, yeah, I would have to go with him. If anyone's listening to this from that's Twitter, Joe Harris, great guy from Chris. Remember that. <laughs> he's he's a great when, guy. He misses, when he misses the jump shot, remember it. Every player misses the jump shot. <laughs> I have one question I would like to ask. What's up, Joe? Um, so when when the Nets acquired Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they kind of had a bit of a reputation of sometimes being a little harsh to the media. Did that kind of give rack your nerves a little bit going into going into the season, thinking, "Oh, what if I ask the wrong thing, or what if what if I get a harsh answer from one of them, or anything like that?" Not at all. Not at all. Because like you know, it's. At, like at the end of the day, like even like no questions a bad question. Like I even tell guys like that even want to like kind of crack the profession. Like don't overthink it. You know, like even if it's like a question or whatever the case is. Plus two, like you, the 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 ones the the good ones in media too are the ones that ask the tough questions. And like I've always been a guy too that's like, hey, like I'll ask tough questions if I have to ask tough questions. You know, if like say something's that there's an elephant in the room or whatever. Like whatever the case is, like I don't I don't go there thinking, okay, I gotta get a like something controversial whatever the case is you know like that type of stuff but like overall like i've i've always just kind of just been the straight okay if this is on my mind i'm gonna ask it but like with 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 kd Kyrie, obviously like you know us superstars no matter what caliber they are you know they're always gonna have reputations and obviously they get the bigger spotlight than everyone else and stuff like that but you know overall like i didn't it didn't cross my mind at all to be honest with you. it didn't cross my mind i had a quick question too actually what's up so when that whole James Harden trade was going down, I kind of like the tea leaves were dropping, like that it was probably going to be the Nets, like that last like mm-hmm. week or so between the Nets and the Sixers. Was it like, like you mentioned elephant in the room before that, was it like an elephant in the room for a lot of the guys like Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, like knowing that they probably are like have their foot at the door now because they kind of saw like, what was happening? Yeah, you know, that's it's it's the tough part of the business being traded, right? Because especially when you get to know these guys a little bit and um kind of just like obviously like not just be around them but you learn you obviously like through conversation you learn a little bit more about them off the court and stuff like that so during that even into december too when the rumbling started to happen that hey obviously james is disgruntled in houston and there's there's a there's a package the nets could suit up and obviously the nets had the assets to do it and all that like we were the media and i we, we were asking like uh jared allen Karras and all them like we were asking them hey like how's it how does how do you stay focused during this? Obviously, do you, do you pay any attention to it? 
So like we had like, and that's obviously stories and stuff like that. Cause you want to see what their, their address is. And then at that point, uh, even after um, James was traded, Mark's obviously uh, hopped on a call, uh, a Zoom call with us at the time because obviously COVID was very bad, like it is now. And uh, he he kind of said he, throughout the whole process too, he always kept Karis, Jared, Rodians, and the rest of the guys like just informed of kind of each step, kind of being a, a real professional to it as well. So like yeah, like you could see the tree leaves falling from distance away and stuff like that. But yeah, you know you got to ask those guys questions, especially if their names are in consistent trade rumors, most definitely. So would you, would you say your favorite part of the job is kind of interviewing and interacting with the players? No, not really. Not really. But like, not, really? Not, not, <laughs> like, obviously, a lot of people would say that, you know. But, like, my, my, my favorite part of the job is honestly just being able to kind of create stories and uh, really just um, uh, kind of, like, just inform, inform the public in a sense. You know, like, I've always been a guy, like, um, just, I, I, I have, I like being creative. I like putting out content. It's kind of like, uh, I guess you'd say it's like, at least in a journalist form, it's kind of like an art, you know, like with, especially with you guys and studying like this for this podcast, for example, like, you know, when you take pride in your work, like interviewing guests and player, like players and stuff like that, you know, it's kind of like your individual brand. Like people know you for kind of what you do, but at the same time, like even with me too, like, uh, for the guys that have been following me for a while too, I've always been pretty open, like guys that DM me and stuff. I always have conversations with them during games, after games, and stuff like that. But, like, it's honestly the storytelling aspect of it. And obviously, the player quotes are a huge part of it. You know, that's that's really what the bread and butter part of the storytelling is. But I would say it's more that than anything. Obviously, too, like, you know, interviewing athletes and interviewing professionals, that's it's, it's awesome. You know, and especially for a lot of people um, that see kind of what I do at my age, like, you can imagine, like, the comments I get, too. But, you know, it's more so the storytelling. It's more so it's a form of storytelling because it's kind of like a craft and it's something I like to take a lot of pride into, like kind of creating stories, stories that people want to read. And uh, just really the end goal is like I want fans and at least the people that like my content, that's daily content, to really like be like, wow, like Chris made, Chris wrote up this article. Like I can't wait to read it. Or like, you know, those type of things. And like, you know, just being able to really just give you guys uh, great content overall. That's kind of what motivates me every day outside of like everything else there, the perks and everything else that comes with the job. It's definitely very interesting. I, like you said, I would just assume any fan would be like, oh man, this guy gets to interview Kevin Durant. Like that's gotta be his favorite part of the job. Well, you can imagine I get those like a lot, you know, especially, <laughs> especially guys like, you know, like I grow up with, cause you know, at the end of the day, like, obviously I'm, I'm very, I'm, very young compared to the other guys that cover this team. And, um, you know, obviously there's a lot like you guys, all your friends watch sports and stuff. So you get those comments here and there. And um, obviously when like the, during COVID and stuff, when you have to hop on zoom for shoot rounds and practices and all that stuff too, um, they would be obviously very thrilled for it and stuff like that. And they would be like, okay, listen in and stuff. I'm like, guys, like just stay home. Like it's, <laughs> it's, I, I got to work here. Like, you know, so you get those comments as well, but you know, overall, like, like I said, it's the storytelling part of it, you know, like, because that's, that's, that's really the bread and butter of like what I, how, what I really like about like uh, what I do. Yeah. That's funny. It's like, even if I told my friend that I was at the mall earlier, like, Oh, I gotta get home. I got a podcast, got a Mets reporter coming on. You're like, Oh my God, you have a reporter coming on. Like, really? So it's like, just imagine. Yeah, no, imagine I feel, I feel you guys. I, like, I, I completely get where you guys come from. Yeah, because like that's, 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 that's what it is. Like in the beginning, you know, when I obviously right. 
got the interview with D'Angelo in the very beginning. Obviously, I was stoked over it. You know, I was like, my parents were like, holy, like, geez, man, like, you are like, amazing. <laughs> you know, like, all those type, my friends were like, whole, like, they were freaking out and stuff like that. And even, even now and then, like, if I ask a question and they catch, like, the audio or whatever the case, they may send it back to me and be like, dude, like, that's insane or whatever. But I'm like, I mean, it's part of the job, you know, like after a while too, like it kind of comes as like second nature to you. Like it's work, you know, like after a while. And at the end of the day, like, um, like I said, like the storytelling part of it just takes, takes everything. That's what really motivates me more than anything, you know? Feel that. Mm-hmm. So I got one more question before we dive into all the craziness that's going on in the Mets world right now. Yeah. What's up? Um, so we're 30 games into the season, I guess. What is your biggest takeaway of this version of the Nets that we have seen for what a third of the season, a little uh, more than a third of the season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know my my biggest takeaway. It's obviously you know we haven't seen this team at full strength, and obviously that's because of Kyrie Irving. You know, so it's going to be interesting to see when he gets back and what the team looks like, especially a fully healthy squad. You know, it's like kind of like a little bit of a similarish start to past couple seasons where the guys are banked up there's different times obviously big key players are out at different times of the season stuff but you know like any like any other team you know it's just been the experimenting part and the um and kind of just seeing what the what the nets have in their depth arsenal obviously these past three games have been huge you see what david duke jr is able to bring to the table kessler edwards obviously cam thomas is a little different because he got his he got his opportunity a little earlier and obviously he's making his minutes are starting to build up on the bench as well. And you got just other guys too. Like obviously Daron Sharp was a big guy. Obviously, like I've I've seen I I watch all the G League games when the Nets don't play, so I'm very familiar with him and all that. So I see what they these guys do in Long Island and stuff. But it has to be the opportunity that this to kind of see what the Nets depth has, the weapons that they have. Obviously, these guys are young. So when this team comes back fully healthy, I wouldn't expect really a lot of minutes out of these guys. Obviously, things could change. Rookies could take opportunities. Then, obviously, when the team's healthy, too, they're going to get. You're still going to get Cam Thomas minutes. Two-way players. It'll be interesting too, because obviously, as you guys know, the the well, we'll talk about more about the two ways later on. But um, but it has to just be the opportunities. You know, just seeing what the Nets have in their arsenal and their depth, and even even when the team's not even at full strength yet. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what I think. All most of our takeaways are it's that really that next man up mentality. It's really. Yep. Just not even the Nets, it's the whole league right now. Because, like, I think at one point, what, we were at 25% of the league was in health and safety protocols recently? Yeah, it's, it's uh, well, right now players are starting to come back, but I think the peak was definitely in the mid 80s. It's definitely, it's definitely in the mid 80s, maybe low 80s right now. So, um, yeah, it's just been the opportunity, like all teams, you know, just kind of seeing the weapons that they have on deep on their bench and, and in a sense, it can you know it can turn as a big payoff for a lot of teams because now you know what you got, what line, what what players can work together, especially like at, at end of the bench guys too. Kind of like if you want to make a a trick substitution, or especially on scouting reports and playoffs too, like because you know in playoff series, this other the opposing team knows ex- what your plays are, your sets, your offensive schemes by game two or three of that series. You know, so you have to throw an X factor in there. You have to throw a couple curveballs at him and that's like what this period has been about opportunity players so you never know like I'm, I'm not gonna be surprised if you see a lot of teams kind of throw out these guys that maybe not a lot of fans will know and that can make a big dividend in the playoffs i, I remember sure. the draft night the, when the nets had the, all those picks i thought they were ridiculous to make all of them but honestly like mm-hmm. watching the way some of those guys play they may have some of their answers that te- 
play uh, that fans want, but the deadline, like a three and D guy, it could be like a Kessler Edwards or a David Duke, guys that can like give them fresh legs when instead of going out and giving them more assets for other players. Exactly. Yeah. Cause I was at that draft night and it was interesting. Cause like going in, I was like, okay, like I was like any other guy that like you really talk to that covers as a team, we did not expect them to use all five picks. And especially when you deep dive into those five picks, I know we spoke to Sean after the right after the draft ended. And when you look at it, it was best player. Mostly most of the time it was best player available. And he went one by each position. So you thought, okay, like it's, he's going best available player. And obviously over time too, you know, offense obviously rules over this team. So Cam Thomas wasn't really a surprise to me at all when he got picked. And um, obviously we Nets fans got to kind of see what he could bring to the table in his early stages of his career. But yeah, no, it was definitely surprising to really all of us that we saw them use all five picks. And even, even afterwards, obviously the undrafted guys, um, like David Duke and, and um, just across the league and uh, in general, you know, like those guys, you really see them kind of obviously at that point with undrafted guys, they usually fill out the G League roster earlier. They're usually kind of your cornerstone guys for G League play. But um, it's good to see, uh, obviously, what they did with uh, David Duke. And obviously they, they definitely scouted him. Uh, I remember, what was it? It was a couple um, – it, it was right – after, it was before he got the two way. Um, I, um, I like I wrote a, a, a story on it um, that I knew he was going to get the two way before it was announced a couple days earlier, and um, I was I, I remember I was talking with a couple guys from his camp and stuff, and like right off the bat, like just uh, when I got to talk to him and uh, his agent and stuff, I realized I was like this guy's got a, got an edge to him. I was like this this it's very unique, and I went over obviously his college tapes and his highlights and his schemes and especially defensive play as well. And um, I know I noticed that this guy had a, um, a a mostly a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, I, I was honestly wild compared to like seven eight years ago when the Nets used to draft in New Jersey. I was wondering, like, I was thinking, like, all the all these high picks we had back in the day. I mean, it really never hit on a lot of them. I was if we had Sean Marks back then, I wonder what the course of the Nets history would have went. Yeah, that's that, that's gonna be that's that's the thing, you know, because obviously the Nets don't got a lot of draft picks left now, you know. You got a couple of years without <laughs> any first, really, unless they obviously make trades and stuff. But yeah, no, Sean's proved over the over the over the, uh, over his time as GM, you know, whether it's finding hitting gems in the G League and signing them like Spencer Dinwiddie and Joe, or if it's drafted guys, you know, it's he's always got a little thing up his sleeve, and he knows. And the Nets uh, scouting department and their analytics team, they really have a good eye for talent. All right, so we kind of touched on this, we kind of didn't, but by now the whole world's aware of the current Nets COVID situation. But let's just kind of dive into and highlight kind of how everything went down. Um, so obviously Tuesday they had the slew of players go in and then that game got affected Wednesday. They were off Thursday. No one went in. So we were thinking maybe they're through it. And then Saturday morning, we got the Kevin Durant news and then we got the Kyrie Irving news, which was just crazy. I'm sure Chris's Twitter was blowing up even crazier than all of ours were. Um, but the Kyrie news happened. It was kind of unclear at first. I believe Nets Daily was actually one of the first ones to broke the news that he either had a positive or inconclusive test and that it wasn't just for the return to play. And the Nets still had to play. They also lost Dave on Sharp. And then finally on Sunday, um, they got their two games postponed, Sunday and then Tuesday. And the rest is unclear or uncertain as to what's going to happen. Um, is there anything you guys want to say about this whole 
COVID craziness. Like I said, we recorded Saturday morning, 9.30. We were done by 10.30. And then by 11, everything we talked about was completely different. Yeah, it was a wild sequence. It just, everything came out of nowhere. It just, like, we we started, we wrapped up, we posted the episode, and then a million different news stories broke. <laughs> about about the nets in general and we were like oh that's absolutely fantastic because we missed out on everything in that one episode that we recorded earlier in the day instead hey chris i noticed the nets daily they kind of like explained it well for like those that like are confused because i know to some fans it's confusing how did the process of kyrie irving's health and safety protocols go like did he have to go in the protocols regardless or did he actually have an inclusive test that had to put him into the protocols itself because i from i saw conflicting reports about that yeah, so the general the general basis here is when Irving returns, right? Obviously, he had, he wasn't playing before or anything. So really, what it came down to, and Christian Christian really kind of said it said straight in the beginning of the morning before the Nets Daily Report is really it's like kind of like just any other guy, especially especially with players like Steve Nash, or was it was Sean actually when he met with us uh, before the Magic game. It was more so every player is going to have a kind of a different testing route, I guess you could say. I think that's really kind of what the synopsis is. And obviously there's new tests, there's new protocol procedures that came out a couple of days ago and stuff. But really all Irving needed to do was kind of just test, um, get two uh, negative tests consistent, and then he would be good to go. So at that point, obviously Nets Daily reported shortly after that, that uh, like you guys mentioned, a positive or inconclusive test occurred. And then Kevin Durant was put on shortly after that. And that was the 18th. And especially when you look at this team, like it was, it was inevitable that they were going to have players on health and safety protocols. Cause the whole league is getting, you know, like the NFL, NHL, you see, for example, too, like it's going around again, you know, it's having another COVID's uh, obviously really just spreading apart, spreading through a lot of sports leagues, unfortunately. And 10 players on health and safety protocols. Now, obviously that's a 10 day limit. So when you really look at it, Paul Millsap was the first guy to go on the 13th. So his 10 days are coming up pretty soon. So I would imagine he would be kind of the first guy, unless obviously some guy tests out of it early, that could also happen, you know, on a health and safety. If they do cause uh, two negative tests within a span of time, then they're out of it. We kind of saw what happened with Russell Westbrook in that situation and kind of throw out an example there. So he was the 13th. Uh, Aldridge, Bembry, Brown, Carter, Harden, and Johnson were the 14th. Uh, and then obviously the 18th was Sharp, Irving, and Durant. And Blake Griffin kind of uh, humorously uh, kind of threw it and gave us a perspective on it. He said it was like he kind of joked about it, how it's like it's like you're in high school and um, the like a kid gets called into the principal's office and you know, everyone's like ooing and aahing. And then, you know, and then at that point they're gone for like 10 days, you know. So it's like it's unfortunate for a lot of these guys because, you know, especially too, like, um, with this Nets team, you know, there's a lot of, especially across the league too, a lot of these guys want to play. And um, obviously um, the, the postponement of games was inevitable. I know owners and um, all their high team officials, they didn't, the, like Woj reported, they, they're trying to do anything they could to avoid postponement. But at the end of the day, you know, you really have to, um, you have to do what's right. And at that point, postponing games was inevitable for this team. Because, you know, at that point too, they're, balancing between especially the Nets point of view too like you guys obviously seen the past couple of games they're balancing between the the minimum of eight players and there was games even beforehand I'm what was it it was the Raptors game uh, I, I was at well I was at the Raptors and Magic but um even before the Raptors game no we were all kind of like waiting around to see hey is this game gonna even happen you know and obviously uh Saturday's game after the Magic game too on Saturday 
it was um, Steve Nash hinted that obviously Blake Griffin, he, he took a bump on his knee and he, and Blake talked to us after the game that he wasn't feeling he, that he took uh, his knee, wasn't really feeling that well as well. So he'll evaluate in the morning. And then obviously Mills, he was supposed to rest that Orlando game, but if he rested, they want to have the correct amount of the right amount of players to have the game go on. So he, he needed a rest day as well. So I guess you could say the postponement part of Sunday's game is at least Denver. That was the highest possibility of any really Nets game in the inevitable future at that point to be postponed. And it was, and then obviously the wizard followed it up that which would be played uh, tomorrow. So, yeah. I'd imagine. Yeah, you can go Joe. I'd imagine that Blake is a pretty funny interview as well. And, uh, also Patty, I, I felt so bad for the guy. I was like, Oh man, he's been, he's been out there going hard every single night and he's promised a rest day. And then a couple more guys test positive and they're like, well, Patty, we're going to have to postpone that rest day. You gotta, you gotta get out there and give us another 38 minutes tonight at minimum. Oh, most definitely. Even Steven, Steven said after this, uh, the Saturday game too, even the rookies are taking, you know, the, the yeah. amount of minutes they played and, and, and obviously getting extended run to think about it, especially being like rookies for David Duke and Kessler, you know, obviously they're getting minutes in the G league, but even David Duke, for example, like he was, he was bouncing back from a left hip injury as well. And um, he, he was, he was put on the report as questionable. And then um, obviously in the morning I reported that he was going to play. And then um, after that, even the rookies, you know, they get, they, they're, they're building up tolls too. Cause think about it from going from 10 minutes, five minutes in certain games in the beginning of the season when the team was healthy. Now they're playing 35, even stretching into the forties, you know, that, that takes a heavy toll as well. So, you know, is it kind of really put a toll on everyone, obviously Mills, uh, had the had the heavy burden because he was already playing really good, like really consistent minutes, and then his load even went up higher. Like you mentioned, like you know he had the he was supposed to rest on Saturday, and then he copped out of the rest day because you know if he didn't play, they wouldn't have enough players. And you know it's it's tough too. Like think about in that Magic game, you even saw you know the Nets did the best they can with the weapons they have. You know half their players, let alone even close to half their players, never even played a minute for the Nets going into this aside from Galloway. You know, and Galloway only played nine the game before that. So it's like you're kind of uh, just playing off basketball instinct at that point for those four guys. And, uh, you know, they, they, they gave it their best effort. It was very impressive. And, you know, at the end of the day, you, you kind of expected what was going to happen against that Orlando team. How much did the health and safety protocols have an effect on the Irving decision, or was that already made before the health and safety protocols outbreak for the Nets? Well, that, no, that definitely had a big impact because when we spoke to Sean about it, when, when Sean addressed the media, before the Orlando game, it was it was the state of the team because Sean pinpointed the two points as the state of the team, obviously being damaged with 10 players on health and safety, but well, not 10 players then, but, you know, it was eight players then. And then on top of that, um, the load on the current players, he meant he pinpointed those two issues and said, hey, it's the best decision for our team to bring Irving back as a part-time player. So he, he mentioned those two as kind of the, the, the really uh, silver lining, not silver lining factors, but the main factors that they brought Irving back. Yeah, so um, just to confirm, Patty Mills, the only reason why he ended up playing was because of those extra players going into the health and safety, right? And they needed the minimum of eight. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, they didn't have was, they didn't have enough players. If if he rested, they wouldn't have enough players. So that that was the main reason. And um, obviously, Patty, you you've seen him, and even uh, I don't know if uh, a lot of fans listen to post game sounds when they're uploaded on YouTube or on, on Yes Network after the post games and stuff. You could tell Mills he 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 um. He was he credited the young guys for the effort and he even kind of mentioned like, hey, like you have to do what you have to do in this situation. Like we go out there and win. And he even said, like looking around, like there was a uh, interesting quote that uh 
that kind of uh, at least jogged my interest. And I can imagine several other media members as well. He said, Hey, even looking around the locker room, you, you see only eight guys in the locker room. Like that, that doesn't really, they, they don't take that as an excuse. They say, Hey, like this is kind of like a, not a motivating factor, but Hey, we want to win. Like, you know, this is where we're, we're, we may be down, but we're not out, you know? So that was, that was kind of a main theme. And obviously the rookies stood up and they uh, performed very well and kind of, at least in my uh, judgment, they, like David Duke and Kessler, they, they over-exceeded expectations out there. Completely agreed. So I guess this is just on the same note. What would have happened if the Nets are like, Patty Mills is not available? We only have seven players. Would they still have been forced to play the game? No, it would be, it'd be canceled because in the NBA, you need uh, to eight right, uh, players eight. in order to play a game. Yep. Interesting. So the now that's, a po- that's a postponement or it's not a That's forfeit. a postponement. That's a postponement. Yeah, because well, in that, in that case, especially during this time, like you saw, for example, in last game or at least the Denver game, that's why it did get postponed because they didn't have the eligible amount of players and stuff. And the team, like uh, I would imagine, well, today's Monday, uh, so obviously the Wendell uh, Wendell Gabriel signing should come out pretty soon if they are still planning to sign, and that should probably come out Tuesday or Wednesday. I'd imagine Wednesday, the absolute latest, if it is happening, but um. That, that's also something to monitor there. But, yeah, Patty sat. They wouldn't have enough players. Are they going to play Portland on Thursday, or is that still up in the air? Uh, no, that, it's scheduled to play. It's scheduled to play. So, you know, at this point, it's kind of – it's it's guesswork to really kind of uh, really estimate what's going to go on and everything. I think the leash is kind of taking it day by day. And it was smart for them to really uh, postpone the Wizards game as well, you know, because, like, even though um, – the league has made a heavy push, at least from the owner's standpoint, by the reports that they want to avoid postponement. And obviously it's, 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 it's rough timing. Cause obviously, you know, everyone knows the Christmas day means in the NBA world, but um, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if it goes on. I'd imagine it does. Um, Cause at that point, like I mentioned before, there's a couple of players that could come back from health and safety protocols because of the 10 day limit. And at the same time too, um, I, I feel like a lot of pe- a lot of people should know this, but I feel like it hasn't been touched on a lot that these guys on ten ship uh, ten day hardship exemptions they can get signed for a second exemption. You know, they could it's like a regular ten day contract. They get re signed again for another ten days, and um, uh, what was it? The new um, agreements on it that the team, especially the Nets, I guess you could use as an example since they're in a, a luxury tax team. That five hundred four thousand dollars per signing for those ten days don't count against the cap anymore. So um, that's a big benefit as to as as well. It's interesting. Yeah, you think so, they have the full full guys? For, well, do you think? Do you think what, all those guys that were in the original group, the thirteenth, the fourteenth, will all be re- ready for Christmas? Um. The, well, Sharp, Sharp, Irving, and Duran are definitely. Um, they would have to te- at least, to my understanding, they would have to test out because they're on the eighteenth. That would bring them to the twenty eighth. So they would they would have to test out before the ten day limit in order to play. That's my understanding of it. The rest of them, uh, LaMarcus, Bembry, Brown, Carter, Harden, uh, Johnson, and Millsap, they were – well, Millsap was the 13th. The rest of the guys I named are on the 14th. So that 10 day would be up in the um, the 24th and the 23rd. So they would they they should be eligible for unless, obviously, um, they can't return a, uh, a negative test after that. Got it. Gotcha. So Thursday we're going to get Patty Mills, Blake, and the rookies again. <laughs> no, you never, you never know. You know, obviously, it, it, it's it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Obviously, the timing of all this, and obviously, what's happening in the world, and everything like that. And um, obviously, I can imagine as you guys too. Christmas Day is a very good day for fans, especially from a hoop uh, basketball standpoint. You know, it's games 
throughout the whole day, starting as, as early as 1130, 12, all the way up to really 1 a.m. in the morning uh, the next day. So, like, you know, it's it's one of those things. But, you know, at the same time, you know, that's it's, health always comes first, you know. So it'll be interesting to see what happens right. in these coming days. Um, so, yeah, as you kind of talked about the 10 day like hardship exemption, obviously the Mets signed Lynx and Galloway, Shaq Harrison, James Ennis, and then the Wendon Gabriel has not happened yet, but you it's still supposed to happen. Do you know, Chris? Or I'm, 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 I'm completely not sure. I can't really answer that confidently. You know, it's, okay. it's one of those things that um, the team, the team's going to would announce it more than anything because obviously it's been okay. reported. So the next step would be for the team to officially announce the signing, which makes the player eligible to play in that, the game that gotcha. follows. Yep. First, I hope they do it personally. I was watching his tape and stuff. I love his game. I think it has a ton of potential, even if it's obviously just that. Yeah, no, it, it'll be, be it'll be it'll be interesting too because you know the big thing is too is um obviously with these these games postponed um obviously with Portland that's Thursday you know and uh, like I mentioned before with the players on the the health and safety protocol I guess you could say game count the day countdown really at this point I think they're kind of I think they'll somewhat weigh it out I guess you could say to see who comes back or whatever the case is that maybe that's right. what they're thinking you know that would be smart because right. obviously at that point you know. Obviously, uh, you guys, you guys uh, know. Too, I feel like maybe a lot of people. Uh, the league office isn't open on on weekends and stuff. So for players that get signed over weekends or on Friday afternoons and stuff, the deals aren't official till uh, uh, Mondays, I believe. Unless there's a game, obviously there might be a little exemption for games, especially during this time with all the hardship exemptions. But um, no, it'll be interesting to see if 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 Wendell does or one or Wendell uh, Gabriel does sign with the uh, with the Nets. It'll be interesting to see, but that should come in the coming days if it is going to happen. Yeah. They it's could definitely use his size after I watched uh, Robin Lopez look like prime Yao Ming on Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. The Nets didn't have a big, you know, at that, that know. lake, you know, but Robin Robin's tall and he's got, obviously he's, he's made his living off being down there in the paint, you know, and just doing, going the work down there. And obviously we saw what happened, you know, so um that that's the big thing and imagine if the nets played and they did have the active players against Jokic. Jokic would even went really oh, he would have went off you know he <laughs> only like, like yeah he would have had a monster game if only the nets had a mascot that would have put a stop to robin lopez yeah well <laughs> that's the thing too that's the that's a different that's not well i could release the games i went to that was slide the fox and stuff like that but we haven't seen the Nets mascot since the night, and obviously we saw how that one turned out, you know. So didn't really didn't really appeal to the kids. Wait, if the Nets um, players test out, would would they be able to test a fly to Portland on their own? Wouldn't they have to test out and then fly to Portland? Because they wouldn't be. Able, I'm assuming if they were still not testing positive, they have to. Are you saying like up. if like with the team or like individually or like if it's right on that threshold, wouldn't it be tough for them to get out all the way to Portland? Because I'm assuming they wouldn't be able to travel until like they're fully cleared, right? Yeah, and that's all. That's another big thing because like you know when when we asked Nash about hey what's what's kind of like the testing procedures before we met with we talked to Sean, Steve even said like they they test in the morning. We don't really get the results back till late in the afternoon, sometimes late in the evening, and then at that point that's when you find out. So that's why even over time. Like he's, for example, you saw Sharp. Yeah, you saw Sharp hit the protocols late before the game time decision. And obviously with Duran and Irving, that's probably like a different case. But you know, overall, it's um, it's it's, it's something interesting to watch. It's kind of like at the end of the day, you know, at this time, it's so unpredictable. You know, with all these health and safety protocols, obviously every team could really agree on this. Fans could agree on that. You know, so it's 
it's one of those things that's it's really unfamiliar territory for this league, you know, because last year they, they dealt with it and stuff, but you know, they, they quickly took notice and took action to it. Right. Now they're trying to play through it, you know. So it's it's one of those unpredictable times where you kind of have to just like Steve like Steve even said it himself, you know, you gotta you really just gotta wait for stuff to break or stuff like news to come in and then you kind of just navigate it the best way possible in that moment. So, Chris, one last quick question on this kind of subject. So, for instance, with Dayron Sharp, he tested or he got ruled out pretty late. Um, so, I guess, are the teams going through like the normal afternoon shoot arounds and stuff where they're still like around the guys, around each other? There, there's no shoot arounds. There's no shoot arounds or, pra- or real practices going on. The Nets canceled practice today and they're canceled practice for tomorrow. So, there's no practices. And there's no shoot arounds as well because we actually asked Steve about that. And Steve said, like, when Langston Galloway got signed, that's when we asked him actually, uh, the, the been during the pregame. He even said, because there was, there was no shoot around and there was really no kind of practice before that, they, there was a short introduction. Langston kind of just was like, hey guys, like, I'm here, <laughs> you know? And um, that, that's kind of like kind of how it kind of went down. So, like, you know, right. it, it's, it's tough too because especially with a lot of these. 10-day uh, uh, hardship exemption players and the guys that are trying to make an opportunity for themselves. It's very short introductions, you know. It's it's more so, hey, like, um, hope you could contribute. Like, this is kind of maybe this is how we run, whatever the case. Very short stuff. Like Nash even said, like, sometimes, uh, at, you know, I think it was after, yeah, it was after he, we addressed him uh, the game before the Magic. He even said, like, after this, like, we're going to kind of just dive into a little bit of film and prepare ourselves the best as possible. So that just shows um, – kind of gives you a perspective of even how the obstacles that the team deals with outside of just the health and safety protocols, you know? So yeah, it's unpredictable gotcha. times and stuff. Gotcha. So kind of moving on, kind of going with COVID as well. Some news drops today that should benefit some teams, especially the Nets um, with two-way players. Obviously we talked about David Duke and Kessler Edwards are the big ones on the Nets. They previously had a 50-game max that they could play, and the NBA announced, I think it was yesterday, that there is now no limit to the number of games they can appear in, which is a major, major win for the Nets, because as we've been talking about, David Duke and Kessel Edwards have been tremendous for the Nets, and I think they could be not like a normal rotational piece, but even the type of player you can throw in there for a three to four minute spurt just to kind of give the Nets some energy and some life and some games down the road when the stars are kind of just dragging, kind of waiting to get to the postseason. Yeah, no, that's the big thing, right? Because, like, with two-way guys initially uh, this offseason, they changed the rules because la- the season before that, it was that two-way players that their practice counts also counted towards the days required, right? So instead of really? instead of just games, it, it was – well, this was a season ago, but it was games and practices, so they could only meet a certain uh, kind of day threshold. So that kind of put – that's why you saw a lot of teams early, like uh, in the Chiozzi years and stuff with uh, Henry Ellenson and stuff, a lot of teams kind of mixed Oof. and matched with their two-ways. You had those, yeah. And then um, – <laughs> That's a name. What was it? And then obviously this time around, that was the, it's it's the smartest move you can make because you know a lot of these two way guys are playing with their professional clubs now, right? Is a professional squads because of obviously what you see with the health and safety protocols. So it makes sense, you know. Obviously, uh, I feel like uh, I saw a lot of people too, and a lot of people DM me about it. 
you, they're not eligible for playoffs. They, they would have to have their two-way deal converted into a standard deal in order for them to play postseason minutes. And obviously, as you guys know, if you get converted into a standard deal, you count towards the 15-man roster. So the Nets right. eventually would have to cut someone in order to fill for them to come in and, you know, serve as playoff minutes if they were on a standard deal, whether that's Duke or Edwards. So that's a big thing. But right. overall, you know, with that 50 games – it allows, it allows Nets and the other teams to have a pillow knowing, hey, you know, we, we don't have to strategize when these guys play or whatever the case is. They can kind of just do full reign during the regular season if we need them. You think there's a chance as we get closer to the playoffs, they kind of extend that or kind of make it so the two ways are eligible to play playoff minutes? Uh, it's guesswork, man. It's, it's guesswork because you, you, you don't know. You don't know what the right. league is going to be like, you know, obviously with COVID right. and all that stuff too. It, it's guesswork. I wouldn't. I wouldn't really think that far ahead into it, I guess you could say. And especially yeah. David Dukes look sharp. Kessler's look sharp. Obviously, you know, they, they both have their their niche. Their, I guess you could say their niches really sought out in these past three, four games. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, like I said before, the Nets are getting a – it's a, kind of like a an, – an, um, I guess you could say it's like a silver lining to all this that they could see what their depth looks like, especially on the, their heavy – their extended bench, you know. Feel that. Um, so before we dive into that Orlando Magic game, the recap of it, there's some news out of Boston where you have to have proofs of a vaccination requirement for indoor venues beginning January 15th. Notable except exception was for professional athletes, don't have to. So any unvaccinated Celtics players will still be able to play. I know this was buzzing all over Nets Twitter today saying, oh, look at this, New York City, like Kyrie Irving's next. Um, I don't know if anyone wants to have a take on that. I personally don't believe that the city of New York is going to change that rule. But I guess, like Chris has said, it's guesswork. We'll see what happens. But don't get too excited just because Boston's doing it. Yeah, that's yeah. that. Yeah, well, yeah, you could you could go first if you want. Yeah, yeah. I just I I think it was more of the fact that one that some cities are starting to do this, and it's just giving some Nets fans hope, and they just want. <laughs> any possible way that Kyrie Irving is going to be able to play every single game. And I can't blame them because I reacted the same way. That's the big thing. Cause you know, like plus two, like, do I see the New York city mandate changing? I don't see it changing. To be honest with you. Like I've like, you could ask, you go, I guess guarantee you could pull probably a hundred people and high seventies, even eighties could agree that it's not going to even, uh, get lifted or anything like that, you know. And with Boston too, like with cities and stuff, when you see mandates and updating mandates and stuff, like I like it's it's obviously very current news and obviously it stretches way farther than basketball. But the thing is too, like I said before, you don't know, we don't know, uh, kind of what 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 the future holds with COVID, just outside of a basketball perspective. And obviously that that infiltrates clearly into the basketball world and sports world in general. So mandates can change cities like we saw before, like obviously back then with Los Angeles and San Francisco as well. And, you know, if I can imagine if, if COVID starts to continue to kind of pile up and spread more and like even for you guys, like I, I know uh, we, we, we talked uh, where you guys are located before, but like if you walk in the city now, like the co- like testing for tents or two to five to even 10 blocks long like it's it's a lot and so i would imagine that a lot of city mandates are going to change from now till 
playoffs, all, even all-star break, even the new year. You know what I mean? So it's all guesswork at this right. point. And you kind of just got to take the information as it comes and kind of just pair the pieces together when you have a current situation, I guess you could say. But overall, with Boston lifting that mandate, you know, obviously that means unvaccinated players could play there. So obviously that means Kyrie Irving as well. And um, obviously the Celtics, you know, we met the Nets matched up with them in the playoffs last year. And if the standings kind of uh, even out, um, that's it's very high that they could even uh, crack like a um, whether it's the play in tournament or they even go to the six or five, you know, so it'll be interesting to see how kind of it all plays out as time kind of moves on. Yeah, I mentioned this to Joe and Anthony last week or sorry, Saturday, but I'm from Connecticut. So I'm going to be at that next Celtics game. I believe it's March 6th where hopefully I'll be able to watch Kyrie Irving play basketball, which I'm pretty excited about. <laughs> Being Connecticut, that's my one benefit. I'm in, right in the middle of New York City and Boston. But all right, let's dive into the Orlando Magic game that happened on Saturday. It's the last basketball game we have to talk about. Um, honestly, despite the normal players not being there, Durant, Harden, I just have to list them all, it still kind of followed that same pattern of pretty much every Nets game. The only difference was Kevin Durant wasn't there at the end to take the game home. The Nets kind of started off slow, which if you look at their team, the amount of COVID players they have, um, it was kind of expected that they would start slow, but the young guys kept fighting. They got themselves back into the game. Obviously, I think it was tied with around three minutes left, two minutes left. And then there was that crucial turnover where Blake Griffin threw the ball on the backcourt to Patty Mills. And then there was, I believe it was an offensive rebound. Um, so, yeah, what do you guys think of the game? Obviously, my main takeaway is the Nets lost, but the rookies – and Patty Mills, Blake Griffin, everyone that played gave it their all. And I was incredibly proud to watch that game and watch that team just compete, even if they were completely decimated by the health and safety protocols. Uh, I basically saw it as, like you said, the same pattern as every Nets game. And KD wasn't there to save us, but David Duke tried to do his best KD impression. It it didn't it didn't work out, but, you know, it, it was just – it was just a decimated team taking a loss to another decimated team. There's not really – I don't really see much to say about it. It's fun to watch these rookies and see them continue to grow, but I don't really have much to really take away from this one. Yeah, that, that's the big one, right? It's obviously when you look – well, when you look at the game in general, obviously their bench, Galloway, Harrison, and Ennis, you know, those are three <laughs> guys that haven't obviously had familiarity with this team. And you don't have any superstars on the floor, obviously. Duke, Edwards, Griffin, Thomas, and Mills, you know, and then obviously, you know, like I said before, you have those three hardship exemption players too. They they gave it all they they really the like you said in the what they were telling us after the game, you know, they all praised just the overall effort of this team. You know, obviously they had some costly turnovers late, some unforced, some forced turnovers that really kind of made the momentum switch late. But, you know, overall, they, they they kind of played their cards with what they had. You know, they put out what they could. And at the end of the day, you know, especially when you saw the start of the game and how it was going, it was – I think it was seven turnovers in the first. It could have even been more. Um, but to lose only by seven points and stuff like that to a Magic team that had Franz Wagner, or Gary Harris, Okiki, Lopez. And then obviously there are three – there are four assignment players as well. Um, including a formula on at BJ Johnson, but um, you kind of just saw what they did. They played all their cards 
they gave it their best. And at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's a loss in the record books, but it's, a, it's an effort that the, the team was proud of. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, they, they almost won the game and they shot 19% from three. They were nine of 46. So that's just pure heart. And obviously David Duke was the driving force of that in that fourth quarter. I think he had about 83 rebounds on one possession, which was just insane. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, it was it, it the, the David Duke had a nice double double. Kessler Edwards showed off some rebound. Even David Duke was the big. The, he was the play. He was mostly the biggest bright spot of the whole entire game. You know, even Nash said before um, when we asked about Duke's performance, he said in the beginning he thought Duke was going out to score a little, just being going out there to score. And Nash said like, hey, in the first half you could you could go for that, but like as the game goes on, you can make impacts in different ways. Like we saw the rebounding, just giving the team second chance opportunities and just overall ways, just deflections, the being in the man's face, just always on defense, being a tight defender and forcing that stuff. So that, that was the biggest thing for him. He, he him Kessler, and they obviously showed out with, I think uh, Duke had 18 and 14 and Kessler had 17, uh, seven and five, I believe it was. And then obviously Patty Mills paved the way with 23 on 10 of 24 shooting. But obviously they struggled from three to, they only went like nine for 46 in the game. So, um, you know, it was one of those things, like I said before, they played their cards and, you know, they, they, they did the best they can with it. And one final take from that game for me. I don't know if you probably don't know about our running joke, Chris, we've been calling Blake Griffin, uh, Kwame Griffin based on his lack of an offensive game this season. But mm-hmm. I just want to let Joe and Anthony know that Kwame Griffin is officially retired and he is back to being Blake. I think he is a good piece that will really help these Nets throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, that, that was my fault. I made a <laughs> – I made a – when I was talking about Blake's post game earlier uh, in one of the earlier podcasts of the season and I uh, – I compared it to Stephen A. Smith's rant on, on uh, Kwame Brown, and then now we coined the name Kwame Griffin, but I'm glad to say that I'm confident in retiring it now. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I see. Yeah, because Blake struggled with shooting, you know, and I think he had a stretch where he didn't make a three and a 30 shot, a 35 shot attempt from three, I think it was. And yeah, it was obviously, he, he, he it was, yeah, it was bad, but and then, um, he, he obviously got his shooting touch in that game going, and he made some threes and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see. And I found it interesting, too, from when Steve Nash was it easily had to be almost a month ago at this point. But he even says, hey, we have, we visualize Blake as a shooter. You know, like we want him to shoot the ball and stuff like that. And obviously in practice, that's been a big staple of his game, too, of working on his three-point shooting and stuff. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if that kind of that slump is not so uh, obviously ice cold. But um, at some point, at least got to drop them at a consistent rate, whether it's in the high 30s or or it's in the mid 30s, low 30s. It'll be interesting to see. Definitely something to monitor. One thing that won't go away with Blake Griffin is the ability to draw charges. So, very physical player. You know, he's, he's, <laughs> he's definitely provided a lot of juice, you know, when he when he when he mostly slides across the floor for loose balls and takes charge and stuff. It gets the crowd amped. And obviously Patty Mills is a big guy that takes the culture and crowd noise as well. And same thing too, like with Kevin Durant and all the other guys, they feed off crowd energy and Blake, Blake knows exactly how to really uh, balance that. Hey, I can, I could take this charge and really put my body on the line for this team. And at the same time, it can give us some juice from the home hometown crowd and stuff. So um, that, that part of that, that part of that hustle 
that just putting your body out there and really just taking the hard hits for this team has served volumes, obviously, as we all know. Yeah, definitely excited to see Blake place more. But uh, usually at this point in the podcast, nearing the end, we usually kind of go through like a game preview of the upcoming games. We make picks on the games, but Anthony and Joe, I don't, I don't know. I don't think we should do it right now. I think we should wait. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we might we might as well wait on this one because uh, a little too much insanity. It's a lot yeah. of uncertainty with these games coming up. Yeah, we'll, we'll get our picks in. But um, you guys got any last questions you want to throw at Chris before we come to an end here? Chris, do the Brooklyn Nets win the finals? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh. To be honest, well, before the Kyrie news, I was I always had the Bucks coming out of the East. Um, in the beginning, like in the beginning of the year, I hate going against. I hate going against my uh, previous pick. My previous pick was the Lakers. Um, oh boy! <laughs> but <laughs> if if it's so tough because you know, like I said, no one knows what's going to happen with mandates and stuff. Um. I gotta be honest. I still have the Bucks over the Nets. I, I do have that. It's because um, that well, I have that there. But you know, if I had to pick a Finals winner, I'm going with the Warriors. Yeah, you could. Okay. I would. I would have like to that. pick the Warriors. I'd have to pick the Warriors yeah, at this point because um, obviously Clay's Clay's looming a return. Wiseman's obviously he's a little more delayed in the in the rehabilitation process, but that's, they still have plenty enough time to really kind of uh, forge a common chemistry and stuff. But like I said before, you can't, I wouldn't count this Nets team out at all. Like I still think they have a pretty damn good shot of obviously reaching that ultimate uh, hope of just bringing back in that elusive first championship for this franchise overall. But like I said, it's going to be interesting to happen. A lot could happen from now till then, obviously, as we all see in these past two weeks, let alone, but um, overall, like, my my thing is like if I guess to kind of put it all in a bow and tie it all up, I the Nets I could see Nets and Bucks like um, going get seven games like it did, and I could see it easily going two two ways there. And overall, I I, I just can't. I would have to go with the Warriors. Honestly, I just have to go with my gut, and I think the Warriors are going to pull it off. You want to talk about, about feel good stories? That's a uh, Clay Thompson coming back after a year year and a half of mediocrity. <laughs> for the Warriors and, and winning the championship. That's, yeah, that's, 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 that's one thing. damn good story right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that too, and especially too, like when you think about the Warriors, you know, obviously when KD left, everyone thought, okay, like, and it's a rebuild, like not a rebuild, but they're kind of in that middle position. And you saw what their role players stepped up, Jordan Poole and obviously Gary Payton the second um, and stuff like that. And, um, you know they've 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 definitely they definitely formed an identity there, and we saw what they did for the Nets in that the game when they came to Barclays and everything. But you know overall, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I think it's going to be very it's going to be a very competitive postseason. I think it's going to be more competitive than a lot of people think. And uh, at the end of the day, you know it's it's a lot of unknown in between from now till then, and it's going to be kind of a a fun little journey on the way to June. Nets Warriors finals have really good storylines, though. Not gonna lie, Nets Warriors does have a lot of good storylines, and that would be a very, I think that that is a record breaking matchup for finals, most definitely. Chris, before we go, I got one favor to ask you: If the Nets play the Bucks again, I need you to slip Kevin Durant a little bit of smaller shoes. All right, can you do that for me? Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know about that one, brother. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know about that one. You might have to talk to the equipment manager there. Yeah, just yeah, one I'm favor. Not, yeah, just I'm slide not, it up to him or something. 
Oh, I don't know about that. And the last thing I the last thing he needs, he knows how to play the game. He's fun. plus that. Like uh, that's the thing too. It's like a lot of people in the game too. They they normally do that. Like uh, at least like I know like uh, Demar Derozan and the Lopez brothers and a couple. Of, they always wear a shoe size higher. I've I've known that for a while. And obviously it's it's it, it stinks. You know, obviously how it turned out yeah. and everything. But I don't know. You know, I, th- I guarantee that I don't think that'll happen again. I think that's a good spot to end. But uh, once again, Chris from Nets Daily, thank you for joining us. Uh, appreciate it. Very great uh, discussion. Once again, this is the Sports Ethos Nets podcast with Cody, Anthony, and Joe. And once again, thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. Of course, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a blast talking to you, you three. You guys make a great trio. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah, we'll be in touch. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.